Today's episode of the Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chill Boys, the official underwear sponsor of our show, Dirt Balls. The holiday season is basically here. No matter what holiday you celebrate, you're going to be giving gifts, and I have the perfect gift to give your loved one or for yourself a fresh pair of Chill Boys underwear. They come in a variety of styles, I should say. The Chill Boy Bamboo Boxers, the Performance Boxers, the Boxer Briefs, just to name a few. I love the Chill Boys. My brothers love them. I have four brothers. They were just telling me the other day how much they love the Chill Boys underwear that I've given them. They're so soft, they're so cool, and they feel great on your junk. It's time to upgrade your undies, boys. Use discount code DIRTY20 at chillboys.com to save 20% on your first order. That's DIRTY20 to save 20%. Go right now to chillboys.com, type in DIRTY20, and save 20%. Thank me later. All right, let's start today's show. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey. No chill, pray no. Hello, Andy. What's going on, man? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. They can probably tell. I got a new microphone for myself. Yours should arrive tomorrow. A little upgrade time on this Zoom sesh. Yeah, look at you sounding all radio. WNBC. 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 It's snowing here, Joe. Is it? Yeah. You're dreaming of a white Christmas. You know what sucks, though? It rained for like eight to 10 hours before that. And it's snowing hard, but it's not sticking because the rain yeah. happened before it. Yeah. It's tough. It's, one of the, it's an early season snow for you. It's a tough scene. I don't know whether or not it's snowing here because we are once again locked down. I caught that California quality of life, fam. Yeah. California quality of life. We're locked down. So Gavin Newsom can have all the restaurants to himself. What? For socialism meetings and wine tastings. <laughs> it's a mess though, man. It's a mess out there. Yeah. Like, at what point I was, I still, I subscribe to the LA Times. So these are my three go-to, just so everybody knows. As far as. Street Journal, the LA Times. And. Washington Post. Cincinnati Inquirer, the local okay. one. Hey, I'm here, do, man. Do the local. I got to do the local. Uh, California News. You get your business news. You get your chili news covering all the bases. There's a great article in the Wall Street Journal today about your Mets. Ooh, it's exciting. I'm going to have to give you the old Andy Ruther username and password. 
basically is it still rug one two three no like you're gonna be masturbating reading this article is it just about how steve cohen has all the monies and this really wants to spend it yeah it's basically these aren't your old mets and it says everything you said this isn't the will ponds we have the richest baseball owner in the history of the sport all the things that are they're gonna do and how he trusts he openly says in the article look man i i stopped playing baseball very little i don't know anything about baseball i'll let the baseball minds handle it so he seems like yeah he's already brought sandy alderson back in who's responsible for drafting every great player on the currently on the new york mats yeah um yeah he's he's been really awesome if if you're a baseball even if you're not a mets fan you should uh you should follow him on twitter he just literally yesterday replied to put it in the podcast which is the Mets podcast that I guest on every once in a while like he's getting he's mixing it up with fans on Twitter he's very open about like wanting to win in the next three to five years following the you know Cubs slash Dodgers move of new ownership new life new championship runs and uh, I'm hoping that in addition to the um, success of the team that he just brings new life to like everything around city field. I mean, you were there, basically they have the bars that are connected to the stadium. Uh, like the one like McFadden's, which we try to sneak Beverly into with Dan Gormley's ID. And other than that, it's literally like chop shop garages. Yeah. And for years they've been talking about redoing that whole area, but the will ponds are just cheap and they couldn't secure, you know, real estate, licenses or real estate contracts or buy the properties or whatever. And I'm just hoping that he, there's nothing there, like almost more exciting than a short-term championship would be like a long-term revitalization into like a ballpark village type of thing. That's so many uh, stadiums that sit in the middle of nowhere have where they build something around it just to support the fans that are there. Yeah. The article is titled meet the Mets, the most interesting team in baseball. Meet the Mets. I'll hook you up after the show. You know, Meet the Mets is a little Mets jingle. Sure. Andy. Yeah. And uh, the back in the day, it's a great little jingle, but back in the day before cell phones and before like, you know, pinging people with your location, you'd be like, hey, dude, meet me at gate C before the game. You don't know if you've gotten there before them, if you've gotten there after them. So the next thing you know, you're standing outside a gate waiting for one of your friends to arrive. And after about nine to 10 minutes of hearing meet the Mets on loop, you will go insane. <laughs> like you will, you, like you turn into the Joker. Well, your friends, your friends arrive. You're like, well, I know how I got these scars. I stood outside gate C. My dad said, meet the Mets. Well, Joe, was there a part of you that was going, having a mini insane attack, watching your giants really have a battle against a, backup Cincinnati Bengals quarterback yesterday well obviously um it was it, it was a game the whole way through but when Daniel Jones was in there he was playing really well I mean this is however many consecutive games now without him turning over the ball when he has been the biggest turnover machine in the league since he came in besides you know Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston who like do it at ungodly levels um, but he was playing really well. He had 267 yards or 270 yards passing, uh, without turning the ball over in 
early in the third quarter when he goes out. So as much as they certainly weren't pulling away, they were moving the ball, they were running the ball well, and he looked fantastic. But then when he goes down and we've got to turn it over to Colt McCoy, it got really dicey. And now, even though the Giants are in first place, uh, you know, you can't, you can't really feel confident. I think six games wins the division. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but I don't think you can feel confident that the Giants even beat the two teams that they technically, like that they would maybe even be favored over um, going forward if you don't have Daniel Jones. Now, one of those teams would be the Cowboys, who they have in week 17. So you're going to need to win that game if the Cowboys make any sort of push to win six games as well. And hopefully Daniel Jones will be back for that. But the, the upcoming schedule for the Giants is tough. I mean, they've got Seattle coming up. They've got uh, Arizona after that. I mean, the Eagles have the toughest schedule of the bunch. So it's kind of crazy, but like it's the Giants, it's Washington, like it's still 100% anybody's division. Well, judging how the, the Cowboys did on Thanksgiving, I would think no one would have any confidence in the Cowboys from not only the players, but the coaching staff and seriously, Mike McCarthy. How does this guy have a job? Like it's, it is, I just don't get it. Just terrible decisions throughout the game. No, like, like just, just no personality to the team. You know, what's funny is everybody, I think people were hating more on Jason Garrett to offensive coordinator of the Giants than they were to Mike McCarthy as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And Jason Garrett has been great for the Giants as an offensive coordinator. I mean, it started out really, really rough. Obviously, they always say implementing a new offense takes time. But now the Giants going to a run game with Wayne Gallman, who has like emerged as like, oh, my God, we could have this two-headed monster if Saquon Barkley comes back. But actually, the thing about Jason Garrett so far for the Giants is like on those third and twos and third and threes, all those plays that always killed you watching Giants-Cowboys games, the little tight end into the flat, the little running back out of the backfield, he's working them off of the Giants, and it works. Meanwhile, Mike McCarthy's in there. There was a, there was a, a couple of series in a row where Alex Smith throws a pick, the Cowboys run it back to the four. In three plays, they go negative six yards and kick a field goal. Washington gets the ball back. I forget what Washington does in their possession. But then Cowboys get the ball back and turn it over on downs on their side of the field. It's like you're – I'm obviously very critical of the analytics guys and the desperation and the whatever. But you're going to go – you're going to kick the field goal – when you've been given a gift interception and got the ball at their four, but you're going to go for it on your side of the field, two possessions later. Well, my thing with Mike McCarthy, as I watch the Packers last night, you can't help but think of all these years of futility and how Aaron Rodgers was can, can not only wasted, but I also want to give credit to him, as you know. Like, he continued to play at a MVP level so many years in spite of the buffoonery of Mike McCarthy. And, but, and I agree with you as far as wasted. It's, it's crazy. Like, if you're a Packers fan, 
talk about wasted years of fandom. And that's, and that's the thing is, you know, we talk all about across sports, whether it be wins, rings, whatever, uh, you know, from LeBron and Michael to Brady and Manning to whoever, like yesterday, people going at us with golf QB win stats. You're like, bro, are you joking? You have to watch these games and you have to realize like when people judge Aaron Rodgers versus other guys that he's been in the league with and go, Oh, well, you know, let's go. What has he really done? It's like, what has he really done? He's made them a competent football franchise with an incompetent head coach. And I've said, I've said it before about, you know, Brady versus Peyton. Like if Peyton Manning was and swapped positions with, uh, Tom Brady, I, I truly believe that the Patriots don't lose a Super Bowl for a decade. And that's not taking anything away from Tom Brady. What that's doing is saying, I actually think that, you know, Manning is better and he was just in a worse situation. And, you know, in a way, obviously Tom Brady's 43, but we see what happens now that Tom Brady is in Tampa Bay and, you know, people are now saying, oh, Arians offense and blah, 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 blah. Were you listening? Were you sorry to cut you off? Were you listening to what Romo was saying about that? Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, I I I found Romo to be just like a Tom Brady apologist yesterday. Well, I I thought it was interesting. Romo was basically saying he is used obviously to the different scheme that New England ran of a lot of play action, a lot of you know the quick slant passes, the hot reads, and you, you took that as he's an apologist? Well, I took, first of all, I think that, you know, there, the, the term system quarterback always gets thrown around like it's a diss when like it's the highest compliment. You know what I mean? The highest compliment is you fit a system. Uh, Joe Montana was the West Coast offense. Joe Montana and Bill Walsh together changed the face of football for two decades, three decades. Um, but Tom Brady, like the, the thing about the Tom Brady in the Belichick system that is fact, but also like kind of used against him is whatever is, yeah, Tom Brady was doing the dinking and the dunking and the quick slanting and the running back out of the backfield and the whatever. Everything that our boy Barry McCockiner does when he puts together a Tom Brady highlight reel. Tom Brady won all his Super Bowls and all his things with a very, you know, dink and dunk offense. And obviously the year where they go 18 and one and lose to the Giants when he gets Randy Moss and they're chucking the ball downfield shows you that he has the ability to, you know, go deep and, and be like, be a high powered offense. But also, they didn't win that year. Yeah. So, you know, the Brady, the, the thing about Brady is Brady is getting judged right now at 43, but he's also getting judged without Belichick. And I think that those, goes ha- those go hand in hand and both are as, you know, much of a factor in his sort of lack of success. The thing that I'll say about Tom Brady, though, that I think is getting he's getting exposed a little bit is, and I said this a few times in the last few episodes is Tom Brady, as compared to some of the other 
all timers struggles with pressure has always has always will tom brady is essentially what i've always said about like why you don't draft big program quarterbacks well you know who said that i don't know if you caught it his former teammate rodney harrison was talking about that during the sunday night football pregame or postgame whenever it was i thought it was a good point he specifically said that he said look man if you put pressure especially from the front line on tom brady he said this, he will turn the ball over. Yep. And, that's, and that's what you're seeing this year. You're seeing a lot of fumbles, a lot of bad interceptions. And that was how the Giants beat him. And that was how the Eagles beat him. And that was how, you know, he would lo- that's how he lost to a Ravens team. That's how he lost. Like in the, in, the te- in the times that Tom Brady has been beaten in his career, that's how you do it. And the thing is, is there are, and th- again, I have, no, I have no argument for Brady's legacy. He's got all the stats. He's got all the accolades. He's got all the rings. But the bottom line is, like, when you look at him on, on film as compared to other great – like, there are bigger, way more holes in Tom Brady's game than there are in Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes. I, I think, you know, body language is important, right, in sports. And the Bucks are getting a lot of airtime, whether it's primetime or the main game of the week. So we're all watching them as a country, as a football world, whatever you want to call it. His body language or kind of his facial expressions this year versus previous years, to me, it's noticeably different. It's in the past, you have the safety valve of Bill Belichick, of a Josh McDaniels, right? You have the defense. Yeah. And you can just see it, right? Like you can see it how he's reacting on the sidelines or how he's getting into it with Mike Williams or I'm sorry, Mike Evans. And like, they're already talking about Tom Brady's never been swept in his, in his division until now. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a little different. And I was one of the people who overhyped them. And I think, you know, they're so porous from the defensive back standpoint, they have a great D line, but I mean, look how obviously it's Patrick Mahomes, but I mean, wow, just wow. Yesterday were they exposed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people like this is, I'm not trying to be like, I'm not trying to make it the Tom Brady truth or episode, but all the people who have done the imagine Brady with weapons, Brady has all the weapons. I don't know how much more weapons you want him to have. Yeah. And, And the bottom line is, Bill Bel- the reason, and Bill Belichick's complaining about how they have had to spend their money in New England now, but when you're spending money on a defense and you're spending money on an offensive line to protect Tom Brady and you're spending money on Brady, you don't have a lot of money left over for weapons. And if you have an offensive scheme that's stinking donkey, you don't need them. And Tom Brady, I'm sure right now, would trade all of these guys for Edelman and a great defense and a great offensive line and a scheme that works. Yeah. And on the other side, holy shit, Kansas city at this point, like in my opinion, and I could be wrong and I don't know what the stats are, how they're playing right now, probably on both sides of the ball. This is the best I've seen the chiefs right now since Patrick Mahomes became the starter. I just think they are, to me, it's, it's not even close as far as the it, best team. 
is there any do you have any sort of fear that like they're playing a dangerous game of every game is close every game is a drive away from being you know flipping the score that that like catches up with you or do you just think that they're they turn it that come playoff time they turn it on well obviously you know there's a there's a sense of complacency when you like yesterday you build another big lead and your offense you know Tyreek Hill had 200 yards I don't, I don't understand the first like, quarter Tyreek Hill was pacing to break the single game record they took the I foot think, off the gas pedal but I, and I I don't I feel like they I feel like they blow that game out I feel like they blow the bucks out if they go. Our only goal for the rest of the game is to have Tyreek Hill break that record. I, I agree. No one was. No one could cover him. Why no one could him cover off? him. I mean, dude, I put this on the rundown. I think it's a it's a discussion. I I think I think the Andy Reid and I don't think it's talked about enough because of how great Patrick Mahomes is. I think the Andy Reid though Patrick Mahomes pairing the combination. Dude, I, I think it's I think I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And we just talked about Tom Brady, so obviously people want to say Brady Belichick, but this Mahomes Reed, because obviously Reed is the offensive side of the ball, it's just it's a perfect match to really, in my opinion, take Mahomes' potential to where it's at right now, which is maximizing how good of an athlete and how good of a player he is. Well, I think I think what's amazing is that Andy Reid's whole career, in a way, was. I mean, he's certainly been a successful NFL coach. Obviously, he didn't reach the pinnacle until he got to the Chiefs and he got Mahomes. But like, the guys Andy Reid has made serviceable quarterbacks, um, and the guys that Andy Reid has made like star quarterbacks, in a in a way, like. There was moments where they were talking about Alex Smith MVP candidate on the Chiefs. Alex yeah. Smith isn't a great NFL quarterback. Um, Donovan McNabb for a long time, people were like, Donovan McNabb, the, like, is one of the great NFL quarterbacks. It's like Donovan McNabb is wasn't one of the great NFL quarterbacks, and you know Andy Reid's offensive scheme made all those guys like look great. Yeah. You, you add into that that all of those guys were limited physically in what they could do. And, and don't get me wrong, Donovan McNabb was a great athlete. But in terms of what Patrick Mahomes is able to do, like basically you have Andy Reid's offense, which is like the screens, the short passes, the all this, whatever. And then you add on top of that, at any point, this guy can escape and throw the ball 70 yards downfield. And it becomes kind of unfair. Oh, it's totally and, unfair. And, and in a way, it's like if if Andy Reid had spent his whole career doing Bruce Arians things, throwing the ball down the field, throwing the ball down the field, throwing the ball down the field, you put Patrick Mahomes in it, it's like, oh, is this the Raiders offense? We're going to go long every time. But you've kind of handcuffed Andy Reid into thinking inside, like, you know, cooking with just five ingredients. And then you take, you know – him and you put him in a world-class kitchen and you go all the ingredients is like man i can make fucking anything yeah like, you know, basically andy reed went from he was at a waffle house his whole life and he had the basic ingredients and the basic standard meal you would get at a waffle house and then you put him in some fine dining in the heart of beverly hills and yeah. you're right and he is just really utilizing those guys 
to their fullest potential. But but Patrick Mahomes, like take but that Patrick final. Patrick Mahomes is a freak, and like if you were waiting it, it's more Patrick Mahomes than it is Andy Reid because sure, but he, but together, yeah. But again, he he has everything. He's got mobility. He's got touch. He's got the arm angles. He can throw the screen game. He can throw it long. He can throw it downfield. He can run when he needs to. Like he is complete. There's but not I think a quarterback I've ever seen that can do all the things at all the levels that he can. And he's got the smarts. I don't think we talk about that enough. Take that final drive. He knows when to get down. When he had that run, you know, his mobility, and then he gets down inbounds. He's just a smart quarterback. And, and he's only going to get better as far as that stuff's concerned. And what's crazy is, you know, Patrick Mahomes has essentially never played a bad game. We've, there's never been a bad Patrick really? Mahomes Really? He's, he's like, hasn't had, he hasn't had one like, bad? Like, he's had less than Patrick mahomes games. He's had average games. But he's never had, like, a zero touchdowns, three turnovers, a one touchdown, three turnovers. Like, Do you I, know that or are you just guessing? No. They literally said that on the broadcast yesterday. Like, he's never had, like, what you would call a bad game. Now, maybe I'm wrong if somebody wants to correct me. But, like, that, I think, is, is what's almost more important than how high a level he can play at is, like, what's the, the – if the basement is, like – an above average NFL quarterback, you're always going to have a chance to win a game. Yeah, I, I put, I just put Patrick Mahomes' worst game, Joe, into Google. It doesn't seem like he, excuse me, it doesn't seem like he has. I mean, there, there's an article from October 5th, so almost two months ago from The Ringer titled Patrick Mahomes still hasn't had a bad game. I mean, yeah, and we know he hasn't had a bad game in the last. Two months. It's amazing. I mean, it really is what he's doing. And to be honest, it's almost unfair. Like, it's almost – when I'm watching that game yesterday, I'm saying to myself, like, like who's going to beat them? I, I, I want to discuss that. To me, the biggest threat for them in the – I want to talk AFC. I think it's the Titans. Because to me, to me, the formula to beat the Chiefs is Keep what the, the field. exactly. Derrick Henry, feed him. You have a uh, yeah, like you, you know, you talk about this. There's Steelers fans right now that are losing their minds, right? Because they're undefeated and they have a good D line and they have a whatever. But but here's the thing about the Steelers is like Patrick Mahomes has never had a bad game. Yeah. Like, your defensive line isn't going to cause Patrick Mahomes to get sacked seven times and, and throw one touchdown and throw three picks. Totally agree. It's not agree. going to happen. So now we're talking about some sort of Roethlisberger to Claypool, Mahomes to all his weapons shootout. Bye. You lose. Yeah. You get nothing. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, the, the Titans have certainly looked shaky at points this year. We both predicted them to win that game. They blew out a Colts team that they, know, they knew they had to beat to, you know, control the division. But, I, I mean, do I give the Titans a great chance of beating the Chiefs? Of course not. But I agree with you that their best chance the, – the, the best chance to dethrone them in a playoff game is to run the shit out of the ball 
and limit the amount of time that they have on offense. Yeah, and and were they were they beating them at halftime last year? Yeah. At least into the second quarter, right? Yeah. The Titans. Well, the 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 game the the Chiefs you know the Chiefs were down twenty four nothing to the the Texans and then sure. and then they it was it was close. I don't know if they were but I think up at halftime. I think, yeah, the Titans, you, that's what I'm saying. Like that, you know, where you control the ball with Henry. And, you know, at this point, he's not going to win it. But I, I, I think, I don't think it's crazy to say that Derrick Henry deserves some MVP votes. Yeah. And I, I agree with you because without them, what are they? You know, and there's been a lot of talk that, you know, the way Tannehill came in and changed Derrick Henry. And, you know, it's, again, it's a team philosophy. You got to have a, you got to have a guy who's going to protect the ball and whatever, if you're going to run the shit out of the ball, you can't, you can't turn the ball over and be a slow it down offense. And that's why the Titans, you know, do pose, even though it's not a real risk to beating the chiefs, probably the best, which is if you're not going to get a Patrick Holmes two pick game or three pick game, then a one pick game or a one pick and a one freak fumble or a bad special teams play. Like if you're going to beat the chiefs, you know, you've got to, you've got to win, even if it's close, the three, two, there's Vince Lombardi, there's five big plays in every game. And if you have 15 drives on each side of the ball, then those plays don't factor in as much, but if yeah. you limit, but if you limit the amount of possessions entirely, one pick here, one muffed punt there could be the difference in a game. Now, Joe, sticking with the AFC West, what happened to your Raiders? I don't know if it was west to east. I don't know if it was. But, I mean, they got – first of all, they got trounced. Trounced. And here, let's talk a, a little bit more as much as I'm disappointed and saddened in what the Raiders did. And, and unfortunately, I didn't watch a ton of that game. But uh, it was bad. But the Falcons don't make anybody happy. The Falcons don't make their own fans happy. They don't make other like the Falcons are the spoilers for across the league. They only win games that they're not supposed to win. They lose games they're not supposed to lose. Their fans hate them. Other teams' fans hate them. I mean, the Falcons are like the coal in your stocking. The Falcons are a razor blade in your Halloween candy. Like the Falcons don't make anybody happy. You don't win it. You don't lose enough games to get high draft picks. You don't win enough games to compete. It's like unbelievable. The Falcons have never been right since they blew that 28 to three lead. I know there's so many memes and jokes, but it is the truth. Yeah. That they have not been right as a organization since that Super Bowl. Because you're right. They're so hot and cold. They're, I've never seen a team this many years in a row be this unpredictable week to week. And yeah, even last year, you know, the end of the season, they're, they're, they're beating the Niners on the road, but they can't get in the fucking play. Like, there's never been a team that constantly infuriates any single person that watches. Like, if you're a Raiders fan, you're upset yesterday, obviously. They're, they're, they basically derail your playoff hopes for at least a moment. And if you're a Falcons fan, you're like, why are we winning games? 
That's a huge loss, though, man. I'm looking huge. at the standings right now. Yeah, Raiders go down to what, ninth? They're down to ninth in the current AFC standings. They win that game. They're right there with momentum. It's, it's just it's a loss they couldn't. They won huge games this year. They beat the Saints. They beat the Chiefs. And they can't beat the Falcons. And they almost they beat get the blown out. But both sides of the ball, offensively, de- defensively. Yeah. Did you see that run by Brandon Jacobs, though? Did you see that run? No. The one where uh, he's not certainly not Brandon Jacobs, who's not Brandon long ja- retired, <laughs> very slow. Josh. Josh Jacobs. There we are. There's a there's a Rutherism for you. He also I before you even move on I have really important news for you. What? Bill O'Brien is not the coach of the Houston Texans. Oh, he's not. No, no longer the coach. And before and before you uh, mock Dan Quinn's defense for giving up this Josh Jacobs run, he's also not the coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Give me some more updates. Did we win the Civil War? Who won the Civil War? Was it the North or South? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're in Cincinnati. What side were you guys on? We were on the north, but uh, but but I exactly barely. I did learn something. There was some like my mom grew up in the middle of. She grew up on a farm in Fatville, Ohio, and I learned from my brother that apparently there were like some rogue battles, north and south, that occurred like right around where she grew up. Like you, you know, it wasn't like a big battle you hear about in the history books. It was like a rogue. There's a few northern soldiers here. There's a few yeah. southern soldiers here. We're going to have 10 on 10. Just Civil War bar fights? Yeah. Hey, you're a little close to the Kentucky line to be drinking in this <laughs> bar, soldier. Grab your musket. Meet me in the parking lot. Lose a vice chili. Right? It's absolutely unreal. Um, what the hell were we talking about? We were talking about the Josh Jacobs run. Oh, so he... And he got fined for, or I'm sorry, he got a penalty for it. You never see this by an on offense. He used his helmet and he went into the DB. I mean, the memes, the memes were coming out that basically he was Logan Paul and the DB was <laughs> Nate Robinson, which I thought was so funny. Yeah. Which, hilarious. by the way, we're going to do a full recap of this week's Tyson, Roy Jones Jr., Nate Robinson, Logan Paul, the whole fight thing. We both watched it. So we'll do a whole recap on that uh, later in the episode. But Joe, it was disappointing for me to watch you Raiders lay an egg because yeah, I do for me too. And I barely watched it. Yeah. And I do root for them. And I, dude, I, I love telling people, I don't know. That's my new thing. I love telling people that Derek Carr lives two doors down from John Gruden. It's your favorite. This is your favorite rug nug. But it's just so funny. Yeah. It's not even a rug nug. It's a Chris Collinsworth nug. Yeah. Uh, you know, he I, he said it on air, and I was they like, "That is so much money. How do they not just buy the house in the middle and have it be their like playroom? Let's you, just go grind on some film over at Bill's house. We gotta get Bill out of here so we can just come together in the backyard and grind." Oh uh, yeah! Can you imagine that guy who's like just in his backyard barbecuing, and he's got he's got fucking Gruden over one fence. 
and Derek Carr over the other fence doing the fucking home improvement thing. You can only see Gruden's eyes. You can't see his face. And he's just like, you got to stay. I, you know, it's tough loss to Atlanta, but you got to keep grinding. Look at that. Look at the cross on your arm and keep the faith, Derek. Just grind. <laughs> he played a bad game. Yeah. Derek Carr, this is what Derek Carr's game was. It was shades of, which we'll have a great discussion about, Jared Goff. It was yeah. a very Jared Goff-esque game. Yeah. Can we downgrade him? Like, we've said he's a medium pizza. You're downgrading Goff below medium pizza. I don't know, man. Tombstone frozen? I guess at times he is medium pizza worthy, and I bet I bet he'll bounce back. But Well, you wanted – I know you were talking about, like, you had on the rundown, like, Stafford move, blah, 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 like, quarterback. And, like, I actually think I, – I wrote down, like, a list of, like, where I think would be good fits for a lot of guys. And uh, obviously it's not moving Jared Goff. You'll never be able to move Jared Goff's contract. But I do have a kind of pseudo fit for the Rams. Who you like? Do, should we? Should do you want to go through all of these? Well, well, we can do that. I, I just want to say because you mentioned his contract, just so people are, are aware, Jared Goff's current contract is through the twenty twenty four season. So you have four more seasons after this year. He signed it for one hundred and ten million guaranteed, one hundred thirty four million overall. So you know, I've been on record right at this point, and I tweeted this out. I don't know which contract is the worst contract. Carson well, Wentz. Mean, it, it's, or, it, it's wrapping up soon, but it's, it's Kirk Cousins. But then beyond that, we can – because these they're worse now because there's more time on them. But don't forget that Kirk Cousins was extended. And they're not even fucking – you know, at least the Rams are competing for a playoff spot. But Carson Wentz, again, his is through 2024. He had $108 million guaranteed. Yeah. With 128 million overall, I mean they're very similar. It's Carson just Carson Wentz has certainly looked significantly worse. Like he hasn't had the you know the peaks that Jared Goff has had. There's a lot more range. Wentz has just been bad. Wentz has just been bad all around with a couple throws here and there. Well, the thing about Goff, and I know we said this when he got the contract at the time. That's all Sean McVay, right? And. and, and I just think it was such a reckless contract. It was so reckless. Well, the ramp and, and that's the and that's the thing, you know. I know you had one particular guy in your mentions yesterday or in the dirty sports mentions who's like arguing the golf stats, the golf wins, the golf whatever. It's like, watch the games, man. He doesn't throw he he never makes a pass where you're like, damn, drop that one in the bucket. Like it like Jared Goff is great at making the easy throw. He's bad at making the tough throw. And a lot of times he just makes reckless decisions. You could say, and it wouldn't be far-fetched at all, that any quarterback plays a competent game yesterday there. They win that game. I 100% agree. I do. I, I think any QB who plays just a decent game. And here's one more thing about Jared Goff, guys. And I don't want this to be like me shitting on Jared Goff because I know how hard it is. I don't know how hard it is, but I can imagine how hard it is to be a professional quarterback in the NFL. But this is year five, right, Joe? And I've said this 
And I'll say it again. I think you know what a guy is by year five. And, and you know, you go back to Brady and Belichick. You go back to the, the, the most famous quarterback-coach pairing. Brady was Mr. 175 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, protect the ball, win multiple. That's where that's it was that realm where he was winning two Super Bowls, three Super Bowls. Then Brady blossoms into a guy who can put up stats and can carry your team and can finish the game with a drive. And Jared Goff is in year five. He's still in the now, like the Rams equivalent of McVeigh of the 175 game manager is gaudy stats because we outplay, we outscheme the other team. But like at some point, you have to be able to take the ball when you need a score, drive it down, make some difficult throws, and win a game. And Jared Goff got to a Super Bowl. But he didn't win the Super Bowl. And that Super Bowl wasn't, oh, my God, they kicked your ass. Like, you make a couple plays in that Super Bowl, you win the game. Yeah, it was 3 know, nothing after yeah. three quarters. And I know that everything always, you know, get your beers out. Joe mentions Eli Manning, drink. But, like, that's the guy that, like, when I look back at his career, it's like, dude, there was, there was a – NFC championship game where he was sacked six times and knocked down 15 times. There were Super Bowls where he made crazy throws and crazy plays. It's like what you have to get yourself there and then you need to rise to the occasion. Jared Goff didn't do that in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff hasn't done that in really too many big games in the fourth quarter in final drives down the stretch. Yeah, and and again, year five. Like, I'm not saying guys can't eventually turn it around, but the reason I think someone like him is different is that some guys are building up, right? They continue to build up. He's had the keys to the Porsche for a while now. He's had Sean McVay, the offensive innovator. He's had the weapons. He's had all the pieces around him. If you can't put it together, got, and now they got a defense that's better than oh, like you know, yeah, they're they're getting turnovers, they're scoring. Aaron Donald's dominating. Jalen Ramsey had you know not his best game yesterday, but has been incredible. You lose. I'm putting 100 percent that game on Goff. Yeah. You lose at home to a Niners team who currently doesn't even have a place to play with a backup quarterback. It's just unexcusable, and I don't think he's going to progress. Um, it sucks for Rams fans. Like I said, he's on the books for another four years. It's tough to, to watch. My, do you want to know who my cheap backup sneaky safety valve for the Rams is? Let's hear it. Sam Darnold. Ooh. An interesting one. LA. He's playing in the shadow of the Coliseum. He's going to be cheap. I mean, I can't imagine that the Jets decide to keep Darnold around in a weird, you know, young quarterback room. Like, make the Jets an offer. They're rebuilding. Get Darnold. There are a lot of quarterback gurus out there who believe that Sam Darnold is far better than he's shown in the Jets. I don't think Sam Darnold is like the next, you know, Joe Montana or whatever, 
But when you look at some of the plays and the tough throws that Sam Darnold has made, it, it's almost like, in a way, I always talk about how I don't like quarterbacks coming from big schools. It's almost like Sam Darnold had to do a post-grad at a terrible college because he just went to a bad team. He gets fucking murdered. And now, you know, you get a little, you get smacked in the face with a little reality. You, you, get, you get dropped down a peg, bring him home to Southern California, bring him home to LA. So you're and, shipping uh, Goff to New York? No, 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 no. Goff stays because no one's going to take Goff's contract. Yeah. Goff stays. I was... so Sam Darnold comes in and potentially competes with, you know, no money invested in him. They did. I mean, they, they brought in fucking, uh, what's his name at one point? They brought in Baldy from Jacksonville. Bortles. Yeah. Well, you know what I think it is? This is, this is what I think happened. I think McVeigh overestimated himself. I think what happened was they make this Super Bowl in year two, and he sees that, and I just looked. I mean, those are by far his best numbers, the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl. And I think in his head, he had so much success. He goes 11-5, and five, and they go 13-3. and three. I think he saw how good they were under his system, and he thought, yo, I can really turn this guy into – you know, a top seven, top eight quarterback. And he's played when he's, when he plays well, he plays well. I, I just think that, you know, it's almost like what, what were the other options for the Rams? You know what I mean? To, to bail on a Jared Goff in that situation would have been weird. I don't, yeah, I don't think, again, just, it was, he still had one more year on the rookie deal. It was just a reckless time. I it, think, it was the I, Wentz contract, which happened first. I more I more think it's you know just not being realistic of what you have in terms of money. Like I don't think Jared Goff as the quarterback of the Rams is that big a deal, but Jared Goff for that money is. And we've seen it with Kirk Cousins in Washington. We've seen it with Dak Prescott in in you know Dallas. It's like if you're not sure he's the guy, there are a way to extend these guys with the franchise tag and say prove it. Yeah. And they didn't do that. And I know that they need a face of the franchise for the new stadium and all that, but dude, you got Aaron Donald. You got sure. a face of the franchise. Yeah. So I like, I like Goff stays, Darnold comes in and competes. You like that? I like it. But, but all of my, a lot of my quarterback movements is guys returning to places that they may feel comfortable. Where do you like Matthew Stafford? I mean, the obvious thing to me is Matthew Stafford to Dallas. Yeah. But, but a low-key, sneaky one, Matthew Stafford to a Steelers team if Ben Roethlisberger decides to hang him up. What about Matthew Stafford? Because he only has one more year. Does he improve the Colts at all? Probably, but like they already have – they already like invested in Phillip Rivers for a couple of seasons and – it was Philip Rivers on a one-year deal? Two-year. Yeah, so they invested in him for a two-year deal. They extended Brissett. And, like, are you now – like, they've been better with Rivers. You, try, you, started, you restarted again. I almost think if it's not Rivers, it's a draft guy. Yeah. Th that, that um, you know, uh, Frank Reich 
build from the ground up. You want, all my, you want all my moves? Yeah, well, well, I was going to – I wanted to say something about the Lions real quick. I mean, they're just such a dumpster fire. Obviously, they fire the GM and Matt Patricia. You, you know, at this point, I'll just – you can say yours real quick. The top three organizations I want no part of. No yeah, part of. Jets and Lions. No, it's not even close to that. I totally disagree. It's the Bengals, the Lions, and the Browns. I mean, how can you have the Browns there and not the Jets? The Browns are a playoff team right now. One year, big deal. I'm going on history. The Jets are going to go 0-16 and have a history of also being terrible. I agree, but, you know, they made a couple couple AFC championship games 10 years ago. It was a long time ago. I'm telling you though, man. I would want what would, what would your three? Does the the Jags the Jags will have success here and there, man? Yeah, I mean, you could, I could say the the Bengals, the Jets, and the the Lions at this point, but like the Jets got to be in there. You think? To me, to me yeah. They, but again, they won't, I'm, they, won't, they won't fire Adam Gase. I know, but I'm going on hit. I'm going on the last basically 25 years, a quarter of a century. To me, the Browns have to be in that mix. It's Browns, Lions, and Bengals. I, I would want no part of those organizations. Maybe the, the Browns, Browns are fun. But the Browns have, like, I mean, the, the Browns got, you know, finally woke up from, you know, a cocaine bender and stopped letting Hugh Jackson win 0.3 games a season for four years or whatever the fuck he did um, and seemed to be at least headed in the right direction. Yeah, you could be right. I could be wrong there. But by far, it's Detroit and Cincinnati. It's, yeah. it's, it's embarrassing. Like, this so, whole so thing. I, I have, in my, in my QB moves, I have Jags, Lions, Jets. Obviously, I put after the Jets. Should do draft rebuilds. Yeah. You know, where are you? What are you doing? There's no reason to bring in a guy right now to save your team. You're not good. You're not, there's no sign that you're going to be good. Stafford, I've got Cowboys is obvious. He returns to Texas. Obviously, as a Giants fan, I want, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they stick with Stafford forever. I hope they stick with Andy Dalton and Dak. I hope you got two-headed quarterback for all time. And then, and then again, low-key, I think, be a nice fit on a Steelers team if, if Roethlisberger hangs it up, which let's talk about the Steelers. Like, if you guys go 14-2, and two, but you don't win the Super Bowl, you, are you, like, do you come back with Roth, like this, like how long if you're Roethlisberger, do you stick around? Well, I think it depends. If you make the Super Bowl, you don't make any moves. Right. If you don't make the Super Bowl, then we can talk. I like Matt Ryan to the Niners. I think. Reuniting with his old coach. Reuniting with his old offense coordinator. And the low-key second play I like for Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan to the Patriots. Matt Ryan returns to Boston. The team that just destroyed his current team. I like Dak Prescott. If if the if Stafford, like if the Cowboys make a move for Stafford, which I think would be ridiculous not to. I, th- I think that the Cowboys improve significantly if he gets Stafford. I like Dak to the Falcons or Carolina. I really like Dak to the Falcons. Carolina? What about Teddy B? Teddy Bridgewater? Is Teddy Bridgewater the future? Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater is the future of the Panthers. To me, he is. If he can stay healthy. I mean, I, I like I like a 
RPO Dak Christian McCaffrey. But I actually like Dak to the Falcons the most. Okay. A, a black quarterback in Hotlanta, they'll eat that shit up. I like, uh, like I said, Darnold's to the Rams as a backup. Denver, I say, fuck John Elway. Karma's a bitch. I hope you never have a quarterback. I hope you're playing guys off the practice squad and running the Wildcat forever. Dude, get over it. No, I won't, actually. Uh, I like Garoppolo if the Niners make a move. If it's not Ryan back to Boston, Garoppolo back to the Pats. He's only got two years left on his deal. And then you, what you could do if you're, if you're Belichick is exactly what you did with Brady. You take that Garoppolo deal, you extend it out for a couple of years and make the money less. So you spread that money out. You renegotiate his deal. You take the 25 million he's got for two years. You spread it out over like five. Cousins, I think the, the Vikings deserve Kirk Cousins. The Vikings have put us all through Kirk Cousins as a $100 million quarterback, and I think that they should have to live with that. And I think that he should stay there, and they should stay an 8-8 eight and eight football team forever. Those are my quarterbacks that should move, teams that should move. Well, I want to talk about the quarterback debacle that Denver had to go through yesterday. In fact, we'll start it off. We have, I have a call. Let me let me make sure I have this this set up correctly. I'm using a different system today, so um, we did have a call about this from a dirtball who vented his frustrations. You know, along with a lot of people, just football fans in general. You know, Joe, it goes back to how is the NFL handling this? Um, so here's before you play the call. I I have had a lot of questions with why some games get to get postponed and some games don't get to get postponed. Why do guys have to play and other guys don't have to play? I, I still think it's shady and fucked up and weird and whatever, but it seems to me as far as I can tell, and I haven't seen this like straight up put in writing, but it seems to me the deal is if it's a self-inflicted wound in a sense, you get, you, you don't get any sort of benefit of the doubt. Like the, the Denver quarterback situation was like a maskless disregard for protocol and now so you don't you don't get any you don't get any help with that yeah all right well here, here's the call from the dirt ball hey joe and andy this is jake from colorado had a quick thing i wanted to say here following this news about the broncos and like i can't even fucking believe it um they're paying fucking Blake Bortles, who knows how much goddamn money, and all of the quarterbacks end up getting fucking COVID whatever. How are they not having one of these guys like a designated survivor in some room in an undisclosed location? I mean, we're in fucking COVID for Christ's sake. How does this happen? Um, It's absolutely unbelievable, and the Broncos, who had an outside chance at making a playoff push, now just have no chance. I mean... The stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. So, just wanted to get that on off my mind real quick and uh, stay dirty, boys. Thanks for the call. If you guys want to vent or call about anything, once again, the hotline is three one zero three five nine eight three six five. I mean, love the designated survivor idea, but also love it. I I think the caller should have a designated driver idea because go home, you're drunk. Outside shot at the playoffs. They had an outside playoffs. shot. They had an outside, outside shot. 
a small one, an outside like a, shot. They were like fucking third in their own division with a lot of teams ahead of them between them and a playoff spot. It is small outside shot making the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love the designated survivor. I love the, like, take your, take your, the guy who gets the least amount of like practice snaps at quarterback and make them like be bubble boy, like Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, I, you know, I felt bad for this kid, this Hinton kid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys follow his history. This kid had never played a snap in the NFL ever. Right. Right. And was, he, and basically was a wide receiver. So obviously a college quarterback. He wasn't though. So he well, went he, to wake. He, he had played college. Yeah. So he went to Wake Forest. He was a quarterback, which they converted to receiver. So he played wide receiver his senior year, and he's been playing receiver on the practice squad in the NFL. It's just, I don't know if you watched any of it. It was, I, yeah, I did, and I, and honestly, I felt, I felt literally, I had, I had sorrow, I had sympathy. I was like, this poor kid. Yeah, I felt bad for him too. I also felt like, dude, if you're gonna try, like. If you're going to go this route, then go it. Like the, the, the idea that there was full possessions where they're just going, put Philip Lindsay in the backfield and just like snap the ball to him and let him run. Like, was that ever going to work? Why don't you just go full army or Navy wishbone? Yeah, exactly. Like, dude, you're, you're, and you have the air force right there. Bring in the air force coaching staff, run some, run some crazy military Academy shit. Yeah. Um, I heard that they, they petitioned the league to try to let Rob Calabrese, former University of South Florida quarterback, who's on their coaching staff quarterback for them. They did. Yeah. I, I feel like every team should have, like, you know how they have an emergency goalie in hockey? Like, every team should have, like, a, a guy who hangs around the team. Yeah. That can be called in in an emergency. Like, where the fuck, like, you know, where was, uh, what's his name? The Brock Osweiler, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's crazy though. I like, think Elway should have been forced to play. Fuck that, dude. Still, you're still doing it. I'm still doing it. I'll never, I'll never not do it. Like, like, dude, you, you boys not coming in and playing. No, I know that. That's fine. It's been and five years. That and that's totally fine. But do, just don't be a fucking fake newser where you're like, I offered him a contract and he didn't take it. It's like, well, that didn't happen. You're a liar for one. And the idea that you would say that is the most bullshit reckless thing of all time. But they're all liars. They're all reckless. But like, if you go under any Kaepernick thing right now, people are going, Hey, you got a contract offer from the Broncos. He got, first of all, again, for the people who don't know, they offered him a salary reduction by, you know, 60%, a 60% salary reduction if they traded for him, which they didn't. And then they said, because he didn't accept that, he doesn't want to play football the next year when he's out of football and they don't offer him a contract. So the equivalent right now is like last year, somebody going, Donald Trump, do you want to take a 60% salary reduction and become the mayor of Cincinnati and him going like, no, I think I'll stick it out as president of the United States. If I lose, I lose, but I'm going to stick it out. And then when he loses, then being like, we don't want you as a, 
mayor of Cincinnati anymore. And people going like, yeah, why would you? He doesn't want to be in politics. If he doesn't take a, a if he doesn't take a demotion and a, and a salary cut, he doesn't want to be in politics. I will say, um, going back to the NFL protocol real quick, I, I know what you're saying about self-inflicted, but there does seem to be like, there's no major rhyme or reason that's and I agree with you, and that's what I have said, and that's what every fan has said. And all the only rhyme or reason when you when you do the fucking, you know, uh, when you do the, it's always sunny in front of the board with all the strings and all that. Yeah. The only thing that you can kind of sort out is that there is something with like if you've done it to yourself, if you have broken protocol, then you don't get any help. If you haven't broken protocol and shit still happens, now the, the argument would be, if you didn't break protocol, how did it happen? Which obviously we both know, you know, COVID isn't that, e isn't that simple. But uh, I guess that's the thing. If you are, have a blatant protocol violation, you don't get any help. That's, as, that's all that I have been able to figure out. Can I shit on uh, what they're doing up to the Niners for a second? Sure. So San Francisco 49ers, for everybody who didn't see this, found out that they can't play, they can't practice, or they can't play home games for the next three weeks, according to the authorities in Santa Clara County, where they play. This is ridiculous. But like, dude, this is my thing on all this stuff, and I don't want to go too far down it because it's the same shit over and over again. I understand we have to have certain restrictions and we have to find this balance and it's not easy for anybody to make these decisions. But where is the proof that the football team playing is going to make COVID that much worse in that area? I don't think that that's the question whatsoever. And again, I think it's, I agree with you that it's just as ridiculous, but to play devil's advocate, the thing is how, if, if you're taking this stance to do some sort of lockdown for the sake of, people's health and whatever and you are the owner of a diner a bakery a gym a whatever and you don't give a shit about football you're not a football fan it it would seem unfair to you for them to say well we're going to make an exception for the niners so it was actually just announced and i see i see what you're saying but it's just and, and i understand that we're a football nation we love football that if you ask the people in San Francisco or Santa Clara or whatever, like if you if you did some sort of democratic vote and said, is everybody cool with the Niners? But the bottom line is the one person who's like, man, I'm just a lady running a yoga studio. And if the Niners can all get together in tight pants and stretch, why can't I get a bunch of people in tight pants to stretch? Well, it was announced during our show, they're going to play their next two home games in Arizona. So the craziness of COVID, which is obviously overtaken the country again with the worst outbreak we've had to date is also not coincidentally, you know, coincided with the worst outbreak for the NFL. They're going to have to play their home games in Arizona. Which silver lining with that is when you factor in Bay Area traffic, it's like 14 minutes further for fans to get to than Santa Clara. <laughs> If you're coming from the south, it's probably closer. If you're coming from central California, if you're coming from Santa Barbara to go to a Santa Clara game, yeah, you're probably better off just going to fucking Phoenix. Yeah. I know. 
I never thought of that. It's a good point, though. Yeah. Are there any other games you want to – I know we, we've kind of had side discussions um, through this week, which I've actually really enjoyed. Um, yeah. But were, were there any other big games that you wanted to go over? I mean, not off the top of my head. I mean, what, what games do we miss that you think are worthy of talking about? I mean, we, we obviously had the Thursday games. Those were kind of uh, garbage. Um, tough loss for the Cardinals. Tough loss for the Cardinals, for sure. But honestly, if you're the Cardinals, like, you have to win. Like, that, to me, that game is like, well, you have to win that game. Why don't we discuss the coaching decision there for yeah. the end of the half? Sure. Oh, you mean the desperate coaching decision that – where they didn't go for a field goal and they lost the game by three points. That one. Yeah. You know, you basically, you have time to run one play before the half ends. You decide not to, you decide to run. I'm sorry. You decide not to run a field, kick a field goal. You run the ball. Who was it? Kenyon Drake didn't get in the end zone. You go to half, you lose by three. Like, Again, this is an analytics thing. And the argument on the other side, I'll do it for you, is the percent chance of them winning goes up higher if they get in there than their percent chance of losing if they don't get in or some crazy analytics thing. But here's the thing. When you play it out, here's what happens. They lose that game 100% because they don't have three more points. If they have three more points, they go to overtime. So the analytics thing is all in this fabrication of life where it it can play out all these different ways. But the truth is the Patriots end the half getting a stop. Yeah, that's what it is. Momentum, you go into the locker room, they go into the locker room dejected. You go into the locker room fired up. Analytics don't take into consideration emotion. They don't take into consideration momentum. And the bottom line is it cost them that game. Yeah. A game which they had to win. And, and we've seen this is now a couple weeks in a row, a couple games in a row where this keeps happening. Again, I don't. I just don't know how you, how you do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know what the Giants did it in the, the Giants did it in the in their game. They go for it on a fourth down close to the goal line. They get in as opposed to kicking a field goal. And to me, again, every game. If this isn't a game of blackjack, there is no book. The Giants, who are three and seven playing the Bengals, you need to assert some sort of, you need to be like, we aren't just some fucking, we're not just going to like cross our fingers and hope we can beat a Bengals team with a backup quarterback. We believe we can fucking beat your ass. Yeah. I don't think that's the same thing as a Cardinals team on the come up going west to east versus a Patriots team that are always going to be in a fucking game with a great coach that's right before halftime. Take the Go points. The Take the points. When in doubt, I mean, I always say nine times out of ten. Take the guaranteed points. And it's a different situation if that game has started out 
if it's if it's 31-28 going into the locker room and you're looking at, you know, some sort of Chiefs, Rams, Monday night shootout situation, you ain't playing that game in in New England. No. By the way, a quick note within the broadcast. I've seen a couple comments and I responded and, and I don't know if it's going to be the same way on the audio. Joe is going to be a little lower than me because he's on, you know, the headphones and I have a microphone. This, this will be all cleaned up for next episode. FYI. We had a second mic on its way. So just want to give everybody a heads up by next episode. We should be locked and loaded and ready to go on the exact same system. As long as B and H delivers Joe. I gotta go to that store. Where's that? Where, where's the main store? Brooklyn? No, the main store is like right by the garden. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a super store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes hours to walk there. Dude, their customer service. Can we talk about that? I'm gonna give them some love right now. B and H. My dad woke up me onto them years ago. Hasidic Jews. Dude, they'll sit. They'll sit on the phone with you, and you'll be like, hey, "I'm interested in this microphone or this headset or whatever it is." They'll talk you through it. Yeah, it's great. So shout out to B&H. Okay, let's move on from the NFL discussion to the big fight Saturday night, Joe. You're not too I happy. Know, I, just, I just want to know how you feel about, I mean, obviously it was your brother, but I didn't pay the money to watch this. Yeah. And I can't, well, I, I honestly, I can't believe people did. Well, look, for us, it was nice. He... My brother Brad said, hey, man, I'm going to invite all the brothers over, which is rare with five of us and everybody but me has family and kids. And I think, I think this is the first time the five of us have been together since my dad's funeral, to be honest. Like normally there's two or three. So he said, hey, I'm going to invite everybody over. I didn't think everybody would make it. So we all went to my brother's basement to watch the fight. And I knew, you know, basically, you know how it is. It's the fight, but it's three or four hours of just – yeah." roasting each other and ball busting when you're with the brothers and nonstop just jokes uh but that for me it was a good family bonding experience sure but but i enjoyed i actually enjoyed i enjoyed the logan paul nate robinson fight yeah and we'll get to that my my thing on like you know, because you messaged me and you're like, you know, any chance you would get this to watch it? And because it was, and I was, it was like, fifty bucks. And I was like, look, first of all, I'll illegal stream it if anything, which I ended up doing. And I not only did I first I watched an illegal stream, then it cut out. Then I watched somebody broadcasting it on their Instagram. It's like a whole other thing. But um, shout out Ben Sterner. Um, but the the thing about not paying for it mostly was like. Did you see the rules beforehand? First of all, they're not going to announce. Basically, we knew going into it, it was a draw. It said that they were not going to have a winner. If, if a guy gets cut, the fight's over, and they're not going to try to knock each other out, I don't even know what I'm watching. But is that true? Because when you watch the fight, they were going, like, Tyson was going at it, man. Or was he? What, where is your information coming from? I didn't see this, that. This was like kind of this. I, I saw this posted as like the rules of the fight, which is basically they knew. And I don't know if they like snuck it out there or if they didn't want to publicize that. And somebody like read that and shared it, but that it was always basically going to be a draw that they were not going to announce a winner that 
a, a cut would stop the fight and that they weren't going to try to knock each other out, which they kind of hinted at in the post fight where Tyson's like, you know, Roy Jones, like those body blows are still fucking crazy. But it's like Tyson's move. Tyson has a signature move. He didn't pull it out the whole time. Well, if you look at the scoring, one judge scored Roy Jones Jr. as the champ. And this is pretty funny, this guy's background. He is an ex-boxing champ, and uh, he had a broken neck. Like, he recovered from a broken neck. So I got all this information from my one brother, and he said, like, dude, this guy probably has God knows how many brain issues. Yeah. Like, this guy's voting as far as the scorecard. Obviously, Tyson clearly won the fight, right. without a doubt. Right. And, and just being the aggressor and in just throwing more punches and whatever. But that was the thing. It's like, if you know that going in, that they're not going to, that this is going to be a draw. It's like, fuck, what do we want? Basically, you better hope you got your $50 worth watching Nate Robbins get knocked the fuck out, which I got to imagine Mike D'Antoni is literally masturbating to. I mean, Nate Robbins got his ass kicked. I, dude, I couldn't stop laughing at the memes. I know. Logan, see, I was rooting for Nate. Yeah, you got to be. You know, I'm not rooting for the 23-year-old white YouTube star kid. Like, I'm rooting for Nate. But, I mean, he got his ass whooped. He did. Nate Robinson got his ass whooped. He got, I mean, he was dead. So my brother. Has Nate Robinson gotten (laughs) up? That's the thing. Like, Nate Robinson was down for the count. Even before he was destroyed, like, when he took that hit on the back of his head. Yeah. I mean, and a Nate- lot of people are like, oh, Nate, like, be careful. Like, Nate will still kick your ass. I'm like, dude, I don't know if that's true at this point. And Nate, Nate got, like, this YouTuber put Nate into a coma. Like, Nate Robinson... It's straight up out of the movie Friday. Like, he took a yeah. punch from Debo. Yeah, and, he, and he's now, like, an internet meme. <laughs> like, he, he's, now, he's now an internet meme because he, he literally got knocked out by an internet meme. Yeah. All I, all I can imagine is, that like, the TikTok right now is like, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> like, the, the clips of Nate going down to the oh, no. Like, rip Nate. And honestly... As much as I, w- I was rooting for him, because, like, again, you don't want some YouTuber. Like, this guy's out there talking shit to everybody. I'll fight anybody. And honestly, he proved himself because he, he, he hit Nate with a hammer. So, but, yeah, like, but, but as, as a guy who watched Nate recklessly take, like, fall away threes and lose tons of games, like, I did take a little pleasure in that. There's a little karma for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah fucking you know there's a little mike d'antoni karma there you get did you watch any of the, the press conference or post match press conference no so, so logan paul goes on there my brother sent this to me i mean you talk about someone who is out of touch he goes on this rant how it's perfect that he was they were fighting you know the match before tyson basically he can relate to mike tyson so you have a white kid who was born and raised in cleveland saying he can relate to what Mike Tyson went through, who, as we know, had one of the worst childhoods of all time, grew up in Brownsville, which is like one of the worst parts of New York. You know, his mom was smoking crack at like the youngest age. The guy was 
you know, dealt a really rough hand in life and you have this. Maybe he can relate because like people who follow YouTubers are like pigeons or something. I don't know. Maybe he's just like raising his own flock of little pigeons. That's what I want to see after, after all that, I want to see Logan Paul fight Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson will kill him. Yeah. I mean, it would be fantastic. It'd be great. Is that the next, are they talking about this at all? No, but I want this. This is what the Ruther brothers decided. We want to see Mike Tyson. Cause he said, I'll fight anybody. You know, he said in the, the post fight interview, he said, Conor McGregor, he's tossing out all these huge, by the way, Conor McGregor would eat you for lunch, dude. I, yeah, I agree with that. He would destroy you. But I was impressed. Dude, Tyson's speed. Can we talk about that? Mike Tyson's speed at age 54 was so impressive to watch. I, like, I, I enjoyed that. And Roy Jones wanted no part of that fight and just kept leaning and hugging on Tyson. And yeah. that, that post-game interview, I could not – or post-match interview, I could not stop laughing. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I, again, I think it would have been – it would have been way more exciting if, if you felt like somebody had a chance to get knocked out. It's like, also, you guys are in your 50s, and you're doing this for a bunch of money. It, it, like, why aren't you just boxing? Why are there the weird rules of, like, you can't cut each other? And, like, like wh- Mike Tyson or Roy Jones Jr. need their face for something? Is Mike, Mike Tyson can't have a cut owning, like, a weed farm? You know how I described the set? I want to talk about the set for a minute. My little brother put it best. He goes, the set all black and kind of like the smoke. He goes, it looks like the set from the Chappelle shows when it's like the Rick James or or uh, Prince. Yeah. (laughs) Like where it's an all black background, but you have like smoke screen. It it looked like a set from one of those episodes. Yeah. But Snoop Dogg was amazing. Yeah. Snoop Dogg was great. Can we get Snoop Dogg? His commentary was awesome. Him going out there and, and seeing drop it like it's hot from 2005 was a little awkward, but like. Oh, his commentary. Yeah. Was so funny. I want Snoop commentating every game. Yeah. I'm so into that. Who was the guy with the mullet? I don't know. So basically Triller, who is trying to. Yeah. What is Triller? So this is what they are. They're they claim they're TikTok for adults. Like, okay. did did you see that one dig that Mario Lopez? Which I don't know what Mario Lopez was doing there. Well, I I, I assume harvesting children's blood so he can keep looking like he's thirty one for the <laughs> Saved by the Bell reunion show, where he's apparently, if you've seen the clips, he's apparently the coach of a high school football team that only has three players and one of them's a girl. Like, why in this lock? How are you fielding a foot? Like, what happened at Bayside High? Did they cut football and now they bring it back? They brought it back and they play six on six. How can you be in a football locker room and there's only like four kids in there? I, yeah, I did watch one is it, trailer. Is, is, is this the quarterback room? Is this like, what is this? That's I mean, a great. You don't, you don't have enough players to field a team. Get Screech playing tight end or something. Screech is open. And he's jobless. Like, throw yeah. Screech in here. Yeah, Mario Lopez hasn't aged at all. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the Mario Lopez story that I have? Is it from the hotel? It's, it's from uh, when I w- used to live in Las Vegas. Okay. So he came in to do a promotional thing at, at the spa I was working at, at Caesar's, when I worked at Caesar's Palace. And I've talked about Sal, Salvatore Jeppe. You, the, yeah. You, were, you walked into the massage room and he was drinking blood directly from the adrenal gland of a child <laughs> with Ellen. 
so I talked like zombies. So I talked about Sal, right? Like like the the mob connected barber. I like how yeah. I just gave his full name out. Like yeah. I, I'm I, dead. I, I think he's aware. Yeah. So I was always cool with Sal. So he so Mario Lopez came into our spa to do some I don't know what they were doing, you know, some promotional piece. So, you know, they're basically doing a shave and taking pictures and a video, whatever it is. And uh, when Sal's putting the shaving cream on him for, you know, this traditional shave. Uh, He's Mario, like, I'm not going to use a real blade because for some, somehow you're the only Mexican who's never going to stitch a facial hair. So we'll just do it with the back end of a toothbrush. Mario said to him, and I wasn't in there at the time because Sal ended up telling me later at work. He said, this guy comes in here and I'm ready to shave him. And he goes, not above my face. That's the money spot. Okay. Like, like not above his neck. Sorry, not yeah. above his neck. Yeah. So he he didn't want Sal to touch his face with the blade just on the neck. Yeah. And Sal hated him. Like hated him for that. Like how dare this guy come into my barber shop and tell me how to shave him? This guy comes in completely bald. He's clearly had his face lasered off. All the hair lasered off his face. You can't. I'll cut your neck. Mario Lopez. Yeah, I'll cut your neck. You're fucking like the Johnny Depp movie. I'll cut your neck. I'm the fucking the barber. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I was like, he's, he's wrong how to say that, dude. He's gonna slit yeah. your throat, bro. You don't think I fucking killed an '80s TV star before? I fucking killed. You you ever notice you don't fucking see Rick Schroeder anymore? I fucking <laughs> took care of Rick Schroeder. Remember the fat brother from the Hogan family? We got Justin <laughs> Bateman. We got Justine Bateman. Then we got the fat one. Where's the fat one? I'll tell you where the fat one is. He's fucking dead. He came here and told me not to fucking cut his mustache, and I fucking split his throat, and I threw him in a fucking hole in the desert. You remember the fucking kid from fucking Family Ties? All of a sudden, they got a little kid with a fucking bowl cut. Like, all of a sudden, these... Andy. His name was Andy. These 60-year-old parents have a fucking three-year-old. Yeah. He came in here one time, and he was like, Hey, I want a cut, but I want to keep it a fucking bowl cut like I had on Family Ties. I fucking cut his ear off. I fucking threw him in a ditch. <laughs> I got a whole fucking museum of 80 stars out in the fucking desert. Oh, man. I want more of those fights, though. Like I want, like I want more Tyson fights. I should say. You remember hanging with Mr. Cooper? I hung Mr. Cooper. Mr. <laughs> Cooper's fucking dead. I fucking hung him. I hung his whole fucking basketball team. There's too many racial overtones with that one, Sal. I don't know about the, that one. Hey, I didn't. I wasn't even say that's fucking you with the racism. That's not me. His. I was just doing a fucking pun because his show was hanging with Mr. Cooper. I know you were, Sal. I know you were. Sal. I wonder what Sal's up to these days. He's fucking killing everybody from Salute Your Shorts. <laughs> this guy comes in my fucking barbershop. He goes, hey, dude, I didn't know he was referencing the show he was on. I thought he was calling me dude. Hey, I'm a fucking 65-year-old man. You don't call me dude. I put two bullets in him. I threw him in a ditch. Then they told me he was on a show called Hey, Dude. I don't fucking know. That's pretty you accurate. Ever seen, you ever seen Pete and Pete? I killed both Pete's. I fucking murdered him. Murdered one Pete, and I fucking murdered the other Pete. I had to show Sal one time how to listen to a voicemail. <laughs> I'm not even lying. He's like, "Yo, Andy, come in here. He's like, I think somebody left me a message. How do I listen to it? I'm like, like a voicemail? He's like, yeah, like a voicemail. How do I listen to it? 
And then I'd show him and he'd always say, you're a good kid. You're a good kid, Andy. He'd always, he'd always pat me on the back. You're a good kid, Andy. Now some of them other kids in the, I don't like some of those other kids in the spot. You're a good kid. <laughs> Love it. You know, you know who he used to cut? He used to cut Ryan Reynolds. Like he built some weird relationship with Ryan. When Ryan Reynolds was on, uh, what? Two guys, two guys grilling a pizza shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. He used to share with me all these Ryan Reynolds. Stories. Like he loved Ryan Reynolds. That that that's a, a guy he did not kill. Yeah, he's like you know who I did kill though. You know it was on at the same time as two guys a girl in a pizza shop, and it was always fucking stealing their ratings. Remember Jonathan Silverman from fucking Weekend of Bernie's? He was on the show, the single guy. I fucking murdered him. You notice you haven't seen? You notice there hasn't been a fucking Weekend of Bernie's remake in a couple of years? Jonathan Silverman, fucking dead. My brother Greg and I rewatched that. The other day, weekend at Bernie's. It had been a long time. It's the most ridiculous plot, Prano. Yeah, yeah. Like no, they, the most the most ridiculous plot is weekend at Bernie's too, where he's fucking dancing for voodoo. I don't think I've seen the second one. Oh my god, it's so ridiculous. I used to do a great impression of it though. Like he, so he's a dead body, but whenever this fucking song comes on, he kind of comes alive and he fucking starts bouncing. And I used to just lay face down on the ground and then wake up to the fucking voodoo song start walking around did a good weekend at bernie's two impression that but i used to fucking kill in middle school dude that was a dance remember like six or seven years ago eight years ago do you remember the bernie dance became a thing yeah. like the like the fucking back wiggle yeah yeah so you watched the match this week i heard it was really good so i did watch i watched the match and i what i put on the rundown is uh it was everything that i wanted to the Tyson fight to be it's like so now there might be people out there going yeah it's been good for a while I didn't watch either of the first two because you know I can't stand Tiger Woods so the first one was just Tiger and Phil and then it was Tiger Phil Brady and Peyton um, but I love this one I actually thought this one was great because you had two very good amateur golfers and Steph and Peyton Manning taking on Phil Mickelson and Barkley Barkley's a 25 handicap Barkley's terrible and they were doing like an alternating shot thing. And it was really, I just thought what was the most impressive thing of it was the production. I mean, the production of these guys on, uh, on AirPods talking throughout a round. It was everything I envisioned for, you know, the, mat, the dirty sports match play between Tug and Laz following Golfgate that has now been shut down because there's a gag order on discussing Golfgate. But uh, I, I just think the production of it is awesome watching these guys, hearing these guys, the whole, just the, the production value of it is awesome. And then the second thing about it that was fantastic was watching Nicholson coach Barkley through every shot it was super fun. And honestly, without Barkley, you know, I didn't watch again, like the Peyton, you know, Brady one, but like without the Barkley factor, it wouldn't have been as fun. And watching Mickelson just like, Zen coach Barkley through it was really fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And I just thought the production value was awesome. The golf course looked awesome. Phil Mickelson is so fun. Him and Barkley is such a great parent. Peyton and Steph are both great guys. Um, Steph, I find Steph boring though. Yeah, but they're, but they're great guys and they're funny and they're like, you know, ribbing Charles. I mean, Peyton is roasting Charles the whole time and Peyton's hilarious. Yeah, Peyton's great. And, and Peyton is apparently a five handicap, which is pretty darn good. But like, like 
Peyton Manning is Mr. Steady. Like the guy was hitting fairways and like nice approach game, nice short game, but like slow and steady wins the race. Steph kept putting him in bunkers. Um, Steph didn't play his best. And I've seen Steph play at that, that Tahoe tournament and like hit some insane shots. Steph's yeah. a really good golfer. And a lot of people are kind of roasting him. The thing this weekend was a lot of people roasting guys that and gals doing things that they could never think about doing. Like people coming at the Vanderbilt kicker, like, dude, she was on the field for one kick because Vanderbilt couldn't score a fucking point. She should have played quarterback. Well, she was supposed to do a squib kick. Like that was right. scheduled. I know. I know. And people are fucking like, no, what the fuck was that? Look, I've always said it, man. I, look, I don't, if somebody can do something, who cares? Like, I don't care. Like the idea that a woman couldn't, if a woman is good enough to play on the team, I don't care the sport. I'm all for it. And, and obviously it, she was, she got on the team because of a dire situation. Sure. And also they squib kicked it so that she didn't get her ass kicked. And that's fine too. Like, obviously they're not going to do that strategy. They're not going to have a full-time female kicker unless the female kicker could take a hit. So they don't have to squib kick it every time. Yeah. But she was there to kick field goals and to kick extra points. And Vanderbilt fucking didn't score a single point or get into field goal range. And then their coach got fired the next day. Yeah. Yeah. But like the guy's roasting her and the guy's roasting Steph who fucking at one point he hit a 400 yard drive fucking straight into the water. But it was like, dude, he hits the ball farther and straighter than most people fucking watching this shit. Dude. He's a pretty darn good golfer. Dude, the, the Twitter sphere is just full of – I mean, look at that guy last night I just kept going after about yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. Like, I, I'm not saying I'm better than Mitchell Trubisky, but to, like, defend him, it, it, it's just I, – I don't, I don't get people defending what's right in front of you. Right. Like, Trubisky's not a good quarterback. It hasn't worked out. Yeah, medium pizza. He's not, he's not even a medium pizza. Yeah. He's the personal pan that you used to get at Pizza Hut for reading books. The book, it, right? Wasn't that what it was called? Yeah. That's what he is. Hey, I read six books and I'm in the first grade. I get a free personal pan pizza at Pizza Hut. That's what he is. Mitchell Trubisky is a literacy reward. <laughs> and even as a kid, you knew it wasn't the best pizza. You're like, ah, it's pizza. It's like you always say, yeah. right? Yeah. It's pizza. Still pizza. Yeah. It's a pizza. Technically. I mean, technically. But yeah, he was bad. And it's like, oh, he has he has obviously a big turnover plate where like people are like, oh, his face mask. It's like, guys, who cares? Just because you get face. So now you so now somebody face masks you, you should fumble. They never touched the ball in that play. It definitely right. was a face mask. Obviously, I went at it with a couple with like a dirt ball. Like I didn't even say go we, at it. I mean, we, we had we had a like we literally had a golf. We have a golf defender. We have a nonstop golf defender. And you're like, dude, if you don't think paying golf a hundred million dollars guaranteed was reckless and has set the team back in terms of success, you're not watching. You're not watching. What's, and then and then that guy goes, oh, he's world's better than Matthew Stafford. Well, go home. You're drunk, dude. By the way, I didn't see all that. Did Matthew Stafford have sex with your sister? Or no, I didn't like, see any of these exchanges. Is, is Goff your cousin? Yeah. And, and, I, and I love the record when I keep posting. Jared Goff is not better than Matthew Stafford, for the record. No. Let me say that clearly. No, but I love that I keep posting. You know, obviously I have a, a thread going 
for a lot of this season on Jared Goff not deserving $100 million. I love when people say you're not watching the game. Hey, dumb shit. Of course I'm watching the game. I'm the one posting the clips. Yeah. If I wasn't hey, watching you're a Rams the Rams fan. Yeah. I, the I mean, Rams game, amongst other teams, but you're a Rams fan. I always have the Rams games on. And you and I are always texting about it. Yeah. Look at that golf pass. It was terrible. Look at that golf. My, girl, my girlfriend's a Rams fan, so we always have the Rams game on as well. Yeah, yesterday was tough to watch. Yeah. Especially Any, when anybody else who's a competent quarterback wins that game. Well, guys, if you want to leave your feedback to us directly, again, the hotline is 310-359-8365. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Dirty Sports. Got some great new iTunes reviews. I'll be getting those koozies out this week. I promise. I have some long overdue ones, probably from way pre or the start of COVID. I'll get those out. So drop your Twitter or Instagram handle in that review, and we'll get those out for you. If you guys are, have stuck around for uh, plugs, uh, in just a couple hours, I will be participating in the Boston Comedy, the virtual Boston Comedy Festival. I haven't done a ton of uh, virtual shows since, uh, you know, pandemic began, but I just did one the other night as a, a prep for this. Boston Comedy Festival is the first festival I ever participated in. I, God knows what year it was. Honestly, it might have been like 2004. To 2003 first festival i ever did a great comedy festival they're doing it virtually this year so i'll be doing a set on that uh go to my instagram or go to my twitter and there'll be a link there um there are i think tickets cost something but it should be fun and it's a contest i'm doing like five minutes and if i do well i move on so if you want to watch some virtual comedy at 3 p.m pacific time um uh, go check that out cool all right, Dirtballs, that is our show for this Monday. We will be back again on Thursday in December. We're already here, Joe. December is already here. Can you believe it? 2020 is almost over. Oh, thank God. All right, Dirtballs, have a great few days. We'll see you in a couple days. And as always, stay dirty.